listening to Syntax, the podcast with the tastiest web development treats out there. Strap yourself in and get ready. Here is Scott Talensky and Wes Boss. Welcome to Syntax. Today we're going to be talking all about how to find freelance clients. This has been one of our probably most requested episodes in, in the last couple of months. Uh, people want very tangible examples of where do I find clients and what are the tactics that I can use to convince them to hire me. So that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to hopefully send you home with some tasty take home treats, a doggy bag, if you have to say. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by LogRocket. It's going to do all of your error and exception tracking, as well as a stack bit, which is going to give you themes for your Jamstack based website. We'll talk about them partway through the episode with me today. Scott Talinsky. How are you doing, Mr. Talinsky? Hey, I'm doing good. Doing super good. Ready to go. Ready to get this week going. I'm starting to record my next series, uh, which for all of you view fans is going to be right up your alley. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. I'll probably do a little bit of announcements on that in the next week or so. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm just ready to go. I'm ready to kick things off a little bit, do some coding, do some recording and all that good stuff. And I'm ready to talk about freelance clients. So uh, let's get into it. All right. So this question was from uh, An- Andreas Tratner. And he says, I'm a backend developer with four years experience on working in Europe and considered moving towards freelancing and contracting. However, I find it difficult to discover quality opportunities. Any tips you can share on how to strategically get projects? So I thought this was an interesting one as well. I know there's a lot of people out there who sort of look at the freelance or the contractor. And we should say right now, a contractor and a freelancer are we, we refer to them as the same thing. Sometimes a contractor is someone who just does only one client for like six months or as a freelancer tends to have many, but that could that could go either way. So uh, we, we sort of say them. I referred my, myself as a contractor just because it sounds better and I think you can get higher paying jobs as a contractor, but a freelancer uh, does kind of the same thing. So uh, there's a few categories that you can use to find freelance clients. Um, we should say like I was a contractor for, I don't know, 10 years or so. And Scott does, has done quite a, a few different contract works as well over the years. So there's a three different uh, categories. We're going to break them down into tangible things. I, th- I think the main thing that we have today is that there's no like secret trove of work. Um, yeah. I think people, when they ask for these things, they just want us to be like, oh, well, let me tell you about this wicked website that nobody knows about. But there's thousands of amazing, yep. high paying clients and uh, you're going to get in. And, and that actually does exist. But you have to cultivate that little pond yourself. Um, yeah, and, it's, it's, uh, and there's it's no hidden IRC room here where you have to <laughs> enter a password and you get in and they're all of a sudden like, here, here's your 10 best clients you've ever had. I think also <laughs> the one of the misconceptions about some of this stuff, too, is that there's one way or one good way of doing it. There's not one good way or the best way to find freelance clients. There's several, and I'm by several, I mean tons of different ways that you can market yourself to get freelance clients. And these again are, like I said, they're going to be varied in different sort of ways. So you can pick and choose. You can do all of them and cast a very wide net, or you can just do one of them and see if that works for you. But again, I think people often think of finding freelance clients. There's one way to do it. There's one way to get clients. No, there is so many different ways. And I know you and I have both experienced probably a lot of these different ways over the course of our careers already. 
yeah, these are everything that we have here. We're going to go through relationships, display of expertise, uh, visibility, uh, maintaining relationships and other tactics. So we've got all kinds of different things under each of these. But these are all things that I personally have done myself. I would say I was a extremely successful freelancer when I was at it. I, I was charging, I think by the end of it, I was at like 150 US an hour. I was booked solid. I had lots of people asking if I could do work for them. So I, I would say that was a successful career in, in, in being a contractor. And these are the tips and tricks that I've used to actually find uh, well-paying clients. Nice. Yeah, that's some good horn tooting. <laughs> horn tooting? Horn tooting. You're horn tooting, tooting your, yeah. your own horn. I'll toot my own <laughs> horn there. I did well. Toot it. Toot toot. <laughs> All right. So first one, relationships. I think this is probably the biggest one. Yeah. Because uh, the best paying gigs always come from relationships. The best paying stuff, the the best, the most, the funnest gigs that you get, they're never posted to a job board or something like that because they are all done through relationships. So I think that this is probably where you should spend uh, most of your time. So relationships with people, but who? So let's break it down. First person is other developers um, for when they need help. So this is where I initially got my start is that uh, when I lived in Toronto, I got to know a lot of the other developers that were in the same scene as me. And uh, I met them through meetups and conferences and, and Twitter and uh, IRC at the time. Now it would probably be the different Slack rooms. Just making friends with people who have similar interests to you. And by knowing other developers, often the developers are the first people who need to ask for help because they say, they're the ones that give time estimates for something. And if something can't get done in an amount of time or a developer is tied up and a, a client project needs to be done before they're available, they will often ask their developers, hey, do you know anybody who would have a similar skill set that would be able to, to do this project for us? Yeah. Building these kind of relationships is going to be difficult. Actually, I should state that maybe most of these things might be difficult for you introverts out there, because a lot of these things will involve putting yourself out there in a way that's yeah. a little bit more socially forward than maybe you're comfortable with. And as a somewhat of an introvert myself, I'm not you know, entirely in that camp, but I am pretty shy around people sometimes. I have had a hard time just reaching out and just just talking to people like that, but you need to practice and you need to start a little bit here and there. And maybe it's easier for you to do so online via Slack rooms or something like that. But finding these other developers and other people in your community, or maybe, hey, it's the person you're sitting next to at some sort of event and just trying to strike up a conversation without the intent of even building a, a relationship there, but just with the intent of practicing talking to people. Because to build these kind of relationships, you do need to work at it a little bit, especially uh, via you know, your, your personal skills there. And those skills are something that sure enough, you might think I'm an introvert. I can't do it. No, you need to just practice some of that stuff a little bit. And again, I don't think anybody is going to fault you if you're, you're shy talking about work. It's not about that. It's more about your skill and what they know you can do and know you can get the work done. One of these nice little tips I have here is if you have a friend who's friends with somebody who, you know, gets a lot of work, right? Maybe you don't get any any work. Maybe your friend themselves has a full-time job, but they have a buddy who's crushing it in the freelance game. They have a, a ton of clients. You could ask your friend, hey, is it, you know, I know your friend has a lot of friends or a lot of clients. Is there any way you could put me in touch with them and uh, I could just put myself in front of them to say, hey, I'm looking for work and potentially could you toss me some of your, yeah. the stuff you don't want to do? 
that was huge for me when I got up and running. And when I was too busy, it was hard for me to find reputable people who I could recommend clients to because I would get all these emails and I could only do a certain amount or sometimes there wasn't a good overlap between the type of work that needed to be done. And I would say, no, sorry. And then the immediate question after that would be, okay, who can I talk to? And then it's like, oh, that, like this is one of my most hated things <laughs> yeah, because people right. always make me play like like a what, matchmaker. like a hiring manager. Yeah, I have to play matchmaker with these people and introduce, and it takes up a lot of time. And you're putting yourself out there. Um, and I've I've had people come back and say, hey, this person you recommended totally dropped the ball, and and then they're no good, or like what happened to your buddy? And if you can be super re- reliable and and good at what you do, people are happy to have like a a list of like two or three people to say, hey, I can't do it, but contact these people. Yeah. One other tip I have here is I I mentioned conferences. And as a freelancer, conferences are sometimes just off the table because they're expensive. It's hundreds and hundreds of dollars to buy a ticket. You have to get a often get a flight and things like that. And you could be out I don't know, a couple grand before you're done, you're done the conference. And, and that maybe just isn't in the cards for a lot of freelancers. But I know what a lot of people do is they'll, they'll volunteer to get in at conferences. So often conferences will pay for your conference ticket or pay for your hotel and your conference ticket or depending on what kind of conference it is. And that's great because all you have to do is um, sometimes it's introducing people on stage. Sometimes it's just holding up the 30 minute 30 minutes, 20 minutes left uh, to each of the speakers. Sometimes it's doing the registration desk. And by having those jobs, you get to know the like the really important people, the speakers at the mm-hmm. the conferences much better than than just the attendees. There's often people just hanging out in the speaker room with me who are volunteers um, and you get to know them. So I think like I know Smashing Conf does that. I know FITC uh, here in Toronto will often do that. And I think that's a great way uh, to get in because you get to meet hundreds of people in the industry for free. And you also get to attend the conference too for free. So I think that's a good option. Yeah. Great option. And we'll get into that a little bit later in the episode, but typically people who are that visible are usually getting somewhat amount of requests for work, even without asking for them. So being uh, around or experiencing or or just being able to connect with those types of people is going to be hugely beneficial to you. Now, the next one we want to get into is going to be more of these people who are working inside of other companies. So we have two examples here, which will be project managers and office managers, uh, typically working for both companies that or have contract work available, as well as maybe agencies that have a per project freelance basis stuff available as well. I've experienced both of these, both working for agencies as well as uh, companies who are hiring on people for short term time or project based stuff. And typically, when you have a project and you need extra help on it, because so many times we run into deadlines that they need an extra hand here or there. You know, these people who are managing a project or even better, the people who are in charge of the overall projects, they're, they're going to flip through their their Rolodex. Uh, for those of you youngins who don't know what Rolodex is, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to flip through their their virtual Rolodex, so to say. And they're going to they're yeah. going to pick the people that are visible in their brains, the people they remember reaching out to them or the people they know that are going to be able to do the work. And they're going to yeah. hire on these people for contract or freelance work. Uh, the office manager one I found particularly helpful because the office manager, if you don't know, is just the person that uh, 
manages the office. They, they sort of do everything uh, around the office and they often know absolutely everybody yeah. uh, because that's their job. Um, they're usually the first point of contact at a specific office. They know what's going on with all the different projects and, and whatnot. And they often move into other roles uh, once they've been there for a certain amount of time. And by getting to know those people, those people are always at meetups. They're usually the people welcoming or they're usually the person well, like doing like, a, hey, everybody, thanks for coming out to this meetup. And uh, this is our office. By the way, we're hiring. That's often a, an office manager who is sort of facilitating these meetups. And if you can get to know them and say, hey, look, I'm a freelancer. If anything ever comes up, let me know. I'll shoot you an email or, or whatever. They are, are very well connected people to know at a specific company. Yeah, absolutely. And even, you know, to add on to the list of this, developers at this company, I mean, we talked about developers or other developers in the section above, but developers who are working in an agency or a place like this, we often had situations where we needed extra hands on deck. And yeah. even if the office managers or project managers didn't know somebody, they usually came to us and said, who do you think would be perfect for this? And oftentimes we would say, Oh, hey, I met this this person at a meetup one time who said they had the ability to do this and this is exactly what we need. Let's ring them up to see if they can do it. So definitely reaching out to people who work in these things. Now, you might be wondering, well, how do I get in contact with some of these people? I found the personally the best way that we always hired out for freelancers or anything like that was contacts through people that used to work with us. So if we used to work at some place and we knew that somebody had access or knowledge of this code base already, we would reach out to them and say, hey, do you have any freelance bandwidth you can take this on? So make sure to keep in contact with some of your old employers if you're on good terms with them and you could potentially get tossed some freelance work that way or even just let your previous employer know that you're looking for freelance work because they might keep you in mind next time they're looking. Next up, we have, I'm going to group these together, is entrepreneurs and venture capitalists. Um, this is where I got a lot of my early work was just going to demo camps. This is where different entrepreneurs will often like pitch their their startup ideas. Facebook marketing groups. I'm part of a couple for email marketing, and there's always people asking, who can I hire to help me wire this thing up? Or who can I help? Who can I hire to, to build a custom integration with uh, getting data from this thing to this thing. Because these, these marketers are often just stringing things together with Zapier. And sooner or later, they're going to realize like, oh, that this doesn't work as well as I had hoped. I need to hire somebody to, to build a custom UI or a custom integration, something like that. So like getting outside of just the developer, designer, marketer world and, and getting out into the entrepreneur world. Also, the entrepreneurs are, are fairly well connected because that's part of their job is just having coffee with people and, and whatnot. I can tell you that I've had a couple of situations in, in my life where I was offered like a part of a company. That's, that's the one thing about entrepreneurs. They'll often <laughs> not want to pay you and they'll just want to give you part of a company. And those companies sold for millions of dollars. And I, I kick myself for not actually taking it. But hindsight is twenty twenty, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but on the, on the flip side of that, Eric, who who's a dev for Level Up, he worked for a company for like half a year to a year. And that was just like, they kept dangling that equity in front of him. Like, a oh, carrot, yeah. like we're giving you more equity. And sure enough, the company was never worth anything in the first place. So he yeah. never, you know, like totally, you know, lost a ton of money on that one. He just said, no, just, just pay me. <laughs> you you could just pay me. How about that? The other one is venture capitalists. Uh, so these are the people who actually uh, invest the money into these early stage startups. And I've worked with, I think, three different VC companies. And uh, these are usually just 
a couple people who have some some money to invest and they have dozens of companies under their belt that they've given, I don't know, $10,000 to $100,000 of their money uh, to start up a company. And the the smaller VC firms are, are usually very involved in the initial product development. And uh, because of that, they will often be talking to the, the founders and say, OK, uh, you, you need to build this specific feature. I know Wes, I think he would be able to, to help us out in that specific use case. So, yeah. How do you get introduced to these people? Um, they're hard people to get in touch with. Because yeah, obviously, lots of people want to talk to them. I found that like demo camps introductions was was my big one where I was working with one of the companies I was in their office and then I actually met their 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 VC people. Um, and then from there, they introduced me to other VC people. And th- that's the thing with these relationships is like once you're in and and once you have shown yourself to be good at what you do, then the recommendations just start flowing from from there on out. Yeah. And I think you do need a bit of reputation as being reliable at that point, because yeah. uh, these people aren't going to recommend somebody who they it's like a total unknown for them. So whether or not you can prove it via friends of a friend or relationships or straight up just based on your previous work examples or things like that, this one's going to be tough if you don't already have any prior work uh, because they're going to want to see some stuff. (laughs) This is funny. I'm trying to, uh, trying to move into a sponsor here and, uh, we're talking about Stackbit, which is a new company that provides themes. And we actually met Ohad, who was an investor in Stackbit at a conference. And and because like the good investors will actually go to the trade, like they'll go to a tech conference just to meet the right people because as much as we want to meet these like VC people to do work for them or, or to get funding, they want to meet the smart developers that can help bring their product to fruition. So we just met randomly at uh, Jamstack Conf and uh, he said, oh, I would love to sponsor the podcast. So uh, that's just another perfect example of, right. of of how to meet these specific people. So what is Stackbit? Um, Stackbit is going to give you themes for your Jamstack-based website. A Jamstack is JavaScript, APIs, and markup. These are these static sites that we've been talking about uh, a lot lately. And it's kind of cool because instead of just providing a, a theme for one specific one, they're attempting to make these themes that will work with all of the different uh, static site generators like yeah, Gatsby and Hugo and Jekyll and all the different headless CMSs that are out there. And it's pretty cool. They are adding new CMSs and new static site generators on every single sprint. Um, and they want syntax listeners to beta test it. So if you want to get in early, go to stackbit.com forward slash syntax FM uh, and you're going to get in early with Stackbit and be able to try it out. This is pretty interesting, the theme world. And I think even uh, as a developer, uh, the theme world sort of just blew up when with with WordPress. And I'm very curious to see if that happens again in the Jamstack area as well. So uh, check it out, stackbit.com forward slash syntax FM. Thanks so much to Stackbit for sponsoring. Nice. Yeah, thank you. I think that's such a cool space. I'm really excited uh, to see how Stackbit evolves here. Cool. So let's get into the next one, which is certainly how uh, I think we've both experienced a lot of growth in our freelance sort of contacts coming in, which is the display of expertise, right? This is showing the world that you know things. I know stuff, so I'm going to make sure that people know I know stuff. So therefore, people are going to come to me <laughs> so that I can do At the stuff that I know. At least make it look like you know stuff. Right. Yes. Okay. Make it. You got to wear the T-shirt that says, you know, my other car is a div or something. 
I just made that up on the spot. How about that? Display of expertise. Okay, so this is one of those ones where, again, you want to make yourself look like you know stuff. Because if people think you know stuff, like we just said, you're going to get gigs. And that, that's just as simple as it is. People are going to come to you. They're going to they're gonna email you. They're going to find you any way possible. They're going to make sure that they reach out to the person that they think of when they think of JavaScript. When I think of JavaScript, I think about Wes. So uh, if Wes, well, he probably, you know, can do some work for me. And if he can, maybe he knows somebody who can do some work for me. So they're going to reach out that way. And I'm sure you've experienced that as well. Yeah, absolutely. The way I did this uh, mostly was speaking at local meetups. So I would work on something fun, like I would make a webcam demo and then I would reach out to local meetups or uh, they would come to me and say, hey, do you want to speak about it? Meetups are always looking for people to, always. to speak. Yeah. And you get yourself in front of 15, 25, sometimes even more local developers. And you say, hey, I made this thing. Also, I'm a, I'm a freelance consultant. If anyone would like to work with me, I'd love to, to hear from you. Just drop in a little line like that. That puts something in their in their mind and says, oh, something um, like that is going to happen. Or or I know of, of Wes to, to do that thing. Another thing I did was, I would uh, volunteer on uh, weekends once every, I don't know, three or four months. And I would teach a workshop for Ladies Learning Code, which is now Canada Learning Code. And there's tons of these all around the world. And it was amazing. It was just a huge treasure trove of project managers, marketers, people who worked in the industry, but were not coders themselves and were interested in either becoming a coder or they just wanted to know a little bit more about the technical side of, of their business. And I got tons and tons of work from that just because if you stand up there and teach a workshop for eight hours, you probably know what you're talking about. And I was specifically teaching a WordPress workshop. So people would come that wanted to learn WordPress that likely had WordPress in their company and needed to maybe hire somebody for WordPress. And it was like perfectly aligned yeah. and uh, it's amazing because you're you're helping this amazing cause at one time. And also, it's just extremely beneficial for your business to to run these these workshops. So, yeah, reach out to your local not for profit that does these coding things, because I think you can you can get a lot from there. Yeah. And these are, again, just like some of the other things that we were talking about with putting yourself out there. It takes a lot to put yourself out there to go ahead and speak in front of people in general. So speaking in front of a meetup, in my opinion, is a great practice way for getting in front of larger and larger audiences, because typically some of these meetups, I think the largest meetups I've ever been to is like maximum of like 150, 200 people. And that's a huge meetup. Most meetups are pretty small, like upwards of, uh, you know, 20 to 50 some people. So that's a pretty low stakes if you put yourself out there and talk about something that you know about for 15, 20, 30 minutes. That's not that that's not that hard. And one of those things is if you sign up for it, you sign up for it, you just do it, you put yourself out there, it's going to yeah. pay off. It's absolutely going to pay off. So it's a good way to practice this thing and speaking at like you said uh workshops Workshops is a bigger step. Conferences is a bigger step. But a meetup yeah. is a nice little small step, and it's going to put you out there a little bit. Next one is going to be for those of you who might not feel super comfortable putting yourselves out there in that way, but you are confident in your code skills, which is going to be working on open source. Now, there is a ton of open source projects that are always looking for help. You can put yourself out there and work on these things. You'll often get listed as a contributor. Your little face will be on the repo if, if, they're, uh, if they're wanting to advertise who's working on the project, which a lot of projects do. So you'll want to make yourself uh, aware that you're working on this stuff. Again, you 
this doesn't require any social standing up in front of people doing those sort of things, recording your voice or anything like that. It's simply working on code. So open source projects is a great way to put your name on something and put yourself out there as an expert. Yeah. And I think even like this doesn't mean you're going to come out with a library that's going to be wildly successful. No. It might be like the Lewis who works on my uh, course platform doing React and Node and, and all that. I met him in the Next.js Slack chat room because he was helping me try to figure out my own problems. And I was just like, hey, you seem to be smart. Do you want to work for me? And uh, like like he didn't create Next.js. He didn't uh, write some amazing blog posts for it. Didn't have a YouTube. He was just like extremely helpful uh, and knowledgeable and was able to display the expertise where I thought like, wow, this is the, the type of person that I need to, to help me out. So don't think that you need to make your own open source frameworks. It might just be helping posting guides, updating documentation, that sort of thing will get noticed because uh, people like me and Scott, who sometimes want to just hire someone who is knowledgeable, we're not necessarily looking for someone who is a rock star and super well-known because they're probably super booked up or they're probably extremely expensive. We want to find these little hidden nuggets of people who... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> are, are extremely smart and and are able to help you out. Yeah, absolutely. Another good way that you can put yourself out there is the way that I did initially, which is starting a YouTube channel. Now, this one does require a little bit of overhead in terms of having equipment to make it worthwhile. But I, I started recording content simply just to help people out. And let me tell you, Level Up Tutorials, the YouTube channel, the fact that it had such large visibility, not only got me more freelance gigs, but it also got me some really excellent contract gigs and full-time gigs. Anytime I was in a job interview, seriously, I'd just pull up my YouTube channel and, and watch the uh, interviewer's jaw drop as, you know, oh, 100,000 followers on YouTube. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> so th- this is a big one. And, you know, there's also the ability, maybe if you want to start a podcast, I, I know everyone's starting a podcast. There's like 10 billion podcasts, but uh, putting yourself out there in that sort of the way where you're actually giving people value is going to make yourself so much more visible. And it's going to, again, up that flow of new clients. Another kind of interesting way, and this is more if you want to get the the high end clients, I think of somebody like uh, Harry Roberts, who's CSS wizardry, <laughs> CSS wizardry on uh, on Twitter. And he offers these like CSS performance reviews where he was tweeting the other day how he like helped the performance of his website was crashing and, and how he fixed it. And that sort of informal performance review just on Twitter or and he, I think he also just makes these actual performance reviews for companies. Sometimes they allow them, put them online. That's probably a little bit later on in your career, but that's the kind of thing that you can offer, whether it's performance reviews or accessibility reviews, or I would often do uh, like a WordPress speed reviews where people would say like, mm. my WordPress takes 45 seconds to load the homepage. Like, what can you do? And I, I would say, OK, like, look, I can I can come up with just like a like a bullet list of things you could do or I can go in and, and fix it myself. Or often people will email me and say, like, hey, Wes, can we just like pay you for two hours of your time? You, we can tell you how we're going to approach our building our application and just let us know what you think and, and things like that. That's just a great way to uh, position yourself where these these huge companies are have no problem paying couple hundred dollars an hour for this yeah. type of thing when you are such an expert in this one specific, very small area. 
Yeah. And another way too, if you're, if you're not wanting to put yourself out there visually audio or whatever, you can blog. Blogging is just as good as a lot of these things. And you get the added benefit of your blog showing up in Google. Somebody's searching for, oh, I really can't do this thing on WordPress. I've been struggling with it for hours. Let me Google it. Okay. I found a blog post telling me how to do it, but I still don't understand it. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go ahead and email that contact that's in the contact form of that blog and say, hey, you, uh, I'm trying to do this thing. Can you just do it for me? How much would that cost? Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've got emails. People being like, look, I'm at the end of my rope right now. I'm ready to, can I just hire you for an hour and you can come in and fix this sort of thing? Yeah. I kind of wish that I did that more when I ran upon issues where it was a a quick little code fix. I I would just throw that up on my blog. Um, I think maybe maybe that should be my my goal for this year or something like that is just start posting smaller little things on my blog like that. A blog post doesn't need to be this huge thing. It could just be six lines of code. Huh. Ran into this today. It was a really easy fix. I here it is. (laughs) I had uh, I hired somebody off the Meteor forum because I could only get SSR working with uh, I'd, uh, I'd get two two of the three things working SSR data fetching and code splitting uh, with Meteor and Apollo and React. I could only get two of them working, and I was like, "Why can't I get all three of these working?" And this guy came in and did it for me. He spent an hour doing it. I paid him two hundred bucks. It was the best two hundred bucks I ever spent because seriously, I had spent so many hours plugging into that, and I wouldn't have figured out the answer. He actually ended up having to write his own patched version of React Loadable to get it to work. But it was like, thank you. Thank you so much. That That is exactly what I needed. And, and that's exactly the type of person who is going to find you in those type of situations. Next one, I think this is along with relationships. I think the visibility, this kind of goes into the last one of displaying your expertise as well. Visibility is the most important because if people don't know that they can hire you or if people think that maybe you're out of their league for, for a specific thing, that's that's not a good spot to be in. So one thing that I always aggressively sort of battled against was being the guy who was always too busy because no one wants to hire the guy who's too busy, who barely has time for you. Someone wants to hire someone who's going, who's willing to put in the time. So uh, letting everybody know what it is that you do and that you have availability is extremely important. And that might just be as simple as saying, hey, I have availability yeah. and I'm looking to like it's so, such a simple thing. It is. But most people forget to do it where they're like, I'm writing all these blog posts and I'm putting off all these like mixed signals and things like that, where you maybe just should straight up tell people uh, this is this is what I'm looking for. So how do you do that? I always told my students a big one is just like posting on Instagram, posting on Facebook what it is that you're doing, uh, whether that's the silly cup of coffee at a coffee shop. Hashtag be your own boss. Hashtag uh, work for yourself. Hashtag remote life. As stupid as those are, what that does is it lets your extended network know, oh, there's code on the screen. That's what they do. They write code. They work for themselves because at some point your mom's, uncle's, friends, cousins, birds, dogs, nephew is going to be running a company and say, I need to hire someone. Does anyone know someone? And I guarantee you, I I did this once. I was teaching, uh, I was teaching freelance at HackerU and I just searched in my, searched in my Facebook for like, hey, Wes, long time, no talk. Or, hey, Wes, are you available for hire? And I showed them like 15 different people who I hadn't talked to in in like eight years. But then they said, they always, they see everything I'm posting and they knew that they could reach out to me and say, Hey, are you available for hire? And I got some really, really good jobs of like 
third or fourth connections through referrals like that. Yeah, it's huge. And post on every social network, post it on LinkedIn, post it on Facebook, post it on Twitter. One of the cool things that I see a lot is when, you know, visible or developers with a lot of followers will retweet somebody saying that they need work. And then I'm sure they get a lot of work from those things, because sometimes these things get passed around and really get put in front of a lot of eyes. You have to be the one to share it, tweet it initially. People aren't going to do it for you. You need to say, hey, I'm available. I want to cast this big wide net and I want to catch some fish, darn it. So uh, we talked about this. A lot of these things with visibility also go sort of hand in hand with the display of expertise because if you are displaying your knowledge, typically you're putting yourself out there, right? You're putting yourself out there somewhere that you're visible, whether that is blogging, right? Whether that is YouTube videos or anything like that, you're actually making yourself available. Now, the difference between just displaying your expertise and making yourself visible in terms of picking up freelance clients is the simple fact that you need to state very clearly, hey, I'm looking for freelance clients. Uh, if you want to work with me, please hit me up. Some of my favorite podcasts I listen to are, are personal finance podcasts. And a lot of them, they'll be like, well, we are money managers. And if you need a money manager, well, give us a call. And so they've already displayed their expertise by yep. having a podcast, by teaching you something. They've already put themselves out there and made it visible by being, you know, a popular podcast. And then they're saying, hey, I'm available for work, so come hire me. And I'm sure these people get swamped with stuff based on the levels of potential popularity, but just the, the fact that they're saying that they're available. One of my favorite podcasts as well is called Canadian Couch Potato, where the entire podcast is about showing you how you can invest yourself. His entire mantra is how, showing you how to do it yourself. And then they also say, oh, by the way, we, we can do this for you too, if you want to. And that's <laughs> their entire business model. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like, Give it away for free. Show people that you're an expert and you clearly know what you're doing. And then there's a small percentage of people who don't want to do it themselves and are going to go off and, and want to hire you. So that visibility one is super important. I know it doesn't come easy to a lot of people. For me, I just can't stop myself from posting stuff online. So it's just like second <laughs> nature. But for some people, they really have to say like, oh, like, OK, get the coffee cup, put it beside the laptop, you know, like. Got to go order some stickers from Redbubble to make it look like I'm elite hacker or something like that, you know. Just get um, an elite hacker sticker and just put it right on there. <laughs> put an elite hacker sweatshirt. But you just got to get that new developer starter pack of uh, the stickers, the cup of coffee. What else yep. is in the, the developer coffee shop starter pack? Uh, <laughs> the Cobalt 2 VS Code theme. Yes, yes. All of it. <laughs> the syntax podcast subscription that there we go that's true if you're listening to us right now take a picture of you listening to the syntax podcast and post it on instagram hashtag dev starter kit dev starter kit <laughs> yes hashtag dev starters kit and tag me i'm at west boss and tag scott he's stolinski s-t-o-l-i-n-s-k-i nailed it that's on the like i say it s-t-o-l-i-n-s-k-i uh, I just bought that domain the other day. I'm, I'm pretty psyched about it. stolinski.dev because my current domain, Scott Talinsky, has three T's in the middle and it always throws people off. So I'm excited to try to get rid of that uh, domain because it's, it's super annoying. Uh, another one of these ways you can make yourself more visible is inside of Slack channels. I have a, a Slack channel. Wes has a Slack channel for people who've purchased his stuff. And 
I always, let me say, I always prioritize people in my Slack channel over other people. And I get a lot of requests for freelance work. So if you're in my Slack channel, you're giving people advice, you're showing up there, I post some work in there. And if I know you can do it, I'm always reaching out to those people first because I I know those people are going to do a good job or I have some sort of more personal connection to them. They're not just some randoms or something like that. These are people I feel like I know because I've been talking to for a while now. So Slack channels are a great way to make Make yourself visible. And there's a lot of Slack channels. I know there's um, even in, in Denver here, there's one called Denver Devs and there's people posting jobs and stuff there all the time or, or need for work or stuff like that. So find these Slack channels and, and show up there and just make yourself visible. Yeah, that's I, I get job postings in my in my reactor, my node node all the time uh, just because it's kind of cool because people have taken my courses are in there and they'll be able to hire people who they know have taken like the same course that they've taken. So they're, they're sort of on the same page with their their skill level and, and how they approach things. It's pretty neat to see that. Super neat. You know what else is neat, Scott? Uh, my desk. My desk is super neat right now. I cleaned it off this morning. No, I, I know what's super neat is my error log. Why? Because I use LogRocket. <laughs> Uh, LogRocket is an excellent service that allows you to better find out how your bugs happen. And I use LogRocket all the time when my standard ways of trying to solve bugs just won't work because LogRocket gives me a session replay. It's a video of a pixel perfect uh, replay of what the user saw when the error happened. And let me tell you, this thing is so so useful because sure error logs are great and all those things where you can see what's happening with the bug that's all great but when you have an actual video showing you how to do it and what happened it totally takes all of the guesswork out of it then you can go try it reproduce it yourself you can see the error log you can see the network activity maybe they hit some sort of weird network bug you can see all of the stuff not only that but you can even see the redux store and it integrates with all of the things you know and love such as react angular just normal javascript ember vue.js and And it integrates with all of the bug tracking tools which you use already. Things like Sentry, Bugsnag, Rollbar, New Relic, Jira, Zendesk, Intercom, Drift, Salesforce, Trello, GitHub, the list goes on and on. So LogRocket is such a cool product and we're so happy for them to sponsor because it's so incredibly useful. So check out LogRocket at logrocket.com forward slash syntax. Sign up and get 14 days for free. You're going to want to do that. Proof is in the pudding. Check it out at logrocket.com. Cool. So let's get into the next section here, which is going to be other tactics. And this is going to be other tactics to gain both visibility, notoriety, as well as put yourself in front of people who are going to be able to get you those gigs. Yeah. So first one here of is SEO, search engine optimization. When my wife was a print designer or graphic designer, we lived in Toronto. I built her website and... Uh, I built it in very clean HTML and I'm not sure exactly what I did, but she came up number one when you Googled Toronto graphic designer. Nice. And she got tons and tons of of people emailing her saying, hey, I'm looking to hire someone because that in a lot of cases, that's the first thing someone will do. They'll just type in Toronto graphic designer. So she got some pretty good leads out of there. But I will say I don't even know if it was all that worth it because she got a lot of 
riffraff uh, contacting yeah. her. People that had no idea about the industry. People that had no idea how much things cost. She spent a lot of time on phone calls where it ended up to be just like people like, oh, no, I you we have to pay you. And uh, it was really interesting because we got a lot of emails from people being like, how did you get her number one for Toronto graphic designer? And then we got a lot of emails from just random people Mm -hmm. that probably shouldn't have been contacting her uh, in general. So that's one way. Um, Also specific technologies. I've gotten a lot of work. I just, I used to keyword stuff my, my page. I would just list off every tech I ever worked with. And the reason why is because I remember having jQuery UI on my website and I got a really good, well-paying job because he said they had me in and say, hey, I see you work with jQuery UI. Our thing is built on jQuery UI and we need some help working on it. And just to the person who's hiring you, especially if they're not technical, seeing the exact technology that they work on in your list of skills or or in what they've Googled for is really important because it puts them at ease. Uh, they have no idea that it's just JavaScript at the end of the day and you could probably pick it up. They much rather hire someone who is that exact skill. Yeah, I think some of these these other tactics here are going to land us into territory where the work might not always be amazing that's coming in or the potential work. So some of these things you do need to be decently good at screening, which is the problem because a lot of these tactics are going to be coming in handy when you are just starting out and you don't maybe have the network, right? Because once you have the network, you get it all through referrals. But when you don't have that network, you try things like SEO and uh, Craigslist, which believe it or not, I have gotten some decent work off of Craigslist. But to be honest, I've also gotten so many headaches off of Craigslist. Maybe most of the time I've had a headache with a client. It's been off Craigslist when I was just starting out. So it's it's almost like a paradox because Craigslist is is a decent place to find good work when you're just starting out because you don't have that network. You can reach out to people directly and, and try to win projects that way. But you need a huge training in I want to say bullshit detection and just like detection of who's a bad client. And unfortunately, you might not get that until you have the experience. So, you know, for the most part, you'd stay away from Craigslist. And I would almost always recommend to stay away from it. That said, yeah, I have gotten some decent gigs from it. One time I got a gig that I designed a logo and the logo ended up on the side of a building. And that logo is still there in a 3D logo. And I did their website and it was a great client for many years of mine that I got from Craigslist. and. To be honest, though, for every one of those, you get, you know, maybe 20 awful clients, but you have to be able to look through that and and know who doesn't have the money, who doesn't have the uh, the idea of, of what to do. And, and with those clients, I almost always veer on the side of over, not like overcharging them, but charging them a lot, because if somebody's willing to put up the cash, then, you know, they're probably a better client than if they're not willing to. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's funny. The The more you charge, the better the clients get, which it seems like it. Yeah. Uh, the more you charge, the harder it should be is the more you charge, the easier it should be. But you can't just charge more and all those problems are gone. You have to sort of go through the whole all the steps that we talked about going through here. Other things, um, putting a phone number up on your website it works so well. I can't tell you how many how many things I got where sometimes you get these a type personality people who own these businesses and they just want to pick the phone up and just say, Hey, can you do a website? And if you can say, Hey, yeah, for sure. And we can talk about it. Let's go grab a coffee. And, um, I realize again, that's probably a very extroverted thing to do, but if you can get past that initial, 
where they probably emailed 15 people. You're the only one that picked up the phone. You go to the top of the list. You schedule a call. You schedule a coffee right away with that person. There's a, a good chance that you're actually going to, to be able to get that. So almost no one ever calls me. I, I have my phone number up on all of my course websites and maybe once every three or four weeks I get a call. Yeah, that's six or seven minutes long, right? Every now and then you get somebody who calls me in the middle of the night with a problem with their code. And that's to be expected if you put your phone number up online. But it's not the scary thing that I think most people think it is. And I think it can benefit you more than it's it's going to detriment you. Yeah, absolutely. Another place you can look for work is things like Upwork or other job boards. Now, these are going to be tough because you're going to be bidding against people. And chances are the work is not going to be super... Well, it's not going to be super worth it, but if you're just looking for experience and portfolio stuff, you can bid against people on Upwork. It's going to be tough and you're probably not going to get a ton of work, but it exists and there is good people fighting for good work mm -hmm. on up, Upwork every single day. So uh, definitely check out those kind of places. I think most of the people who post on Upwork are, are serious. I haven't. Uh, experienced Upwork as a freelancer myself, only as somebody looking for work. Uh, but yeah. it definitely is is a place. Is a place. To yeah. Work. Last time we talked about Upwork, I got I got a bunch of tweets from people saying like I make my entire living off of Upwork. So uh, I definitely think that you can you can do that. But it always feels weird to me relying. You're trying to like build your own business and work for yourself, but then you have this crutch of like this outside company. Yeah. Uh, that you rely on for all your work, like in, in my world, and this goes for everything, whether it's blogging on Medium or like building your entire business on another platform. It's not if the rug will get pulled, it's when the rug will get pulled. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have this big YouTube gate or people getting mad at Medium or being like, it's not fair. My views are going down or they're taking a bigger cut and I have to feed my family. And yes, if you build your business upon somebody else's business, at some point you're going to get cut. Uh, so I always think it's much better to just circumvent these things. It might be easier at first, but circumvent them, build your own empire, uh, and then no one can really take that away from you. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if you're going to do some work on Upwork, maybe you can sort of move it out of Upwork or, or maintain that network in a way that's like moving it off of there. Uh, don't always try to keep it on there because again you're then you're you're tied to that platform and tying totally. yourself to a platform isn't as you mentioned a great idea now another one is local business listings these are sort of maybe like an older school way of doing things but i found even there's like a lot of local business listings online where you can just list yourself as like here's a provider that's in denver who's a freelancer so look for that stuff because again it's going to come up on seo and you're going to have people who find that and just think hey this is the way to go about it and and go and contact you there so i don't think these are like maybe amazing ways i've been on several local business listings and i've never gotten hits from them at all but you never know. Again, cast a wide, wide net. And there's always the old fashioned mode of printing up some business cards and going uh, and nailing them to some walls at some local places, so it's coffee shops or breakfast places or, or wherever you visit. Just to yeah. make yourself visible, put yourself out there. There's this whole industry of of businesses that are totally offline and they're all built on like I, I just think of like I've got friends that parents run mulch companies and they they're just yeah. a mulch guy yeah. in the town and you need them or like there's like a bait and tackle spot near my brother-in-law's called Rotten Ronnie's and uh, Rotten Ronnie's That's got like name. if you need if you need any bait you go to and like there's all these businesses that have been running like that forever. And at a certain point, they're going to realize, OK, we need some sort of online presence. We need an online ordering um, because someone's going to come around and, and make a better 
a better experience for doing it online, right? Yeah. And uh, these people who are, they're, they're running very successful businesses. I know I have plenty of friends who have these, have parents that have these like old businesses that have, don't even have a website or just have a crappy little website and uh, they're millionaires. And uh, at certain point, they're going to need some sort of online presence because it, it it's all moving that way. And yeah. uh, I think going to, I don't even know what they are, but just like local business bureau, uh, what are they called? Like you have like these luncheons and these breakfasts and oh yeah, like a networking groups or yeah, networking groups and things like that. Like that's it's a very old way of business, but I don't write off old as bad because yeah, that's absolutely. where a lot of the money is. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And lastly, let's get into a little bit of maintaining relationships because oftentimes we do uh, work for a client, right? We, we've done yep. the work, the work went well, we've maybe gotten a referral from that client, or maybe we've never heard from them, and we don't reach out to them again. And that's missing an opportunity because, again, we want to cast a really wide net here. And if that person knows somebody who needs something, they might think of you, but they also might not think of you if you haven't talked to them in a year or two years or something like that. I have a perfect example of this. Our realtor who uh, he's an amazing guy. He did such amazing work for us, and he's just relentless. He is incredible at maintaining relationships. Every few months, I'm thinking like every four months or so, we get a handwritten letter from him in the mail that's like a card and you open it up and there's a Starbucks gift card in there and it says, what is it saying? Like referrals are the the best way that you can help me out or something like that. He makes it very clear that he's looking for referrals. It's a hard ask. It's a hard ask. And he, he does it really nicely. You feel like Oh, he gave me a Starbucks gift card. He's just checking in. He says something about like, can't wait to see you and your family again. If you know of anybody who's looking, just reach out. And let me tell you, if we ever need or if anyone we know ever needs a realtor, he's the first person we think of every single time. We don't ever even consider telling them to do anything else because we had such a great experience. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say that for the realtor that we had in Michigan because she never reached out. And, uh, you know, she was just okay. She was fine. Uh, But more importantly, she didn't nurture that relationship in a way after the fact that we constantly think of her. And in addition to that, if we give him a referral, he gives us a hundred dollar gift card to like the fanciest steak restaurant in Denver. And so every he's just so good at at maintaining that relationship and making us think of him. Uh, It's just so thoughtful. Uh, So having this in your back pocket as a way to maintain relationships, what I would do is maybe even like put on a timer like every few months or so to reach out to certain contacts. And there's apps that will do this for you. I'm not, I can't think of them off the the top of my head. I know uh, there's apps that will basically, you'll say I contacted this person and then it will keep in like a record for you. Okay, you haven't talked to this person in this many months. You haven't talked to this person in this many months. Maybe you should think about just reaching out. And again, reaching out, putting a hard ask in, just saying, hey, just let me know if you ever need of anybody referrals, you liked our work together. Uh, If not, you know, whatever. Uh, And you can even also be very personal with it too. And just be, uh, Hey, how are you guys doing? I hope, you know, everybody's doing well, uh, maintaining that relationship in a way of more of like a friendship level as well. I think you did it really well there. Cause I've, I've certainly like, I bought life insurance once and this guy hits me up every year and says, who can you refer to me? Like he's just read the like one-on-one sales book and it just feels so 
grimy to me. Uh, Inauthentic. The other way. Yeah, inauthentic. And then the guy who sells me health insurance every now and then he sends me movie tickets as a thank you for referring someone. And every time I call him with a quick question, he remembers my kids names. And um, I think developers think that sales is the sort of like manipulation thing when the sales really is, is just maintaining good relationships with uh, the people that it can be done very poorly or, or, or great. Right. So like this past Christmas, I spent like quite a bit of time trying to find the best hoodie out there and I got the best hoodie and I got like a little one of my stickers that uh, this is idle hands build nothing. I got it printed on these hoodies and then I shipped them to I think about 50 or 60 people who had helped me out in some sort of significant way this year. And uh, I felt like that was and p- people say like, oh, I love this hoodie. Thank you so much. And I feel like that was like a good way to just show people like I care about you. I care about our relationships and and thank you so much for for whatever it is that you had done for me this year. Yeah. And let me tell you, I love that hoodie. I wear that hoodie 24 <laughs> seven. I wear it's like the warmest hoodie I own. I wear it all the time. And every single time I put it on, I think, wow, that was so nice of Wes to just send me that hoodie. Wow. <laughs> that was such a great gesture. I, every time I put it on. And you know what? I bet every single person you gave that to is going to have that same thought. So those kind of really thoughtful gifts, things like that, it's going to go a long way for you. Totally. And I think if you are in the freelance business, you can afford to spend like those hoodies. By the time they were shipped, they cost me, I don't know, 70 to 100 dollars per person, which is not nothing. But I I thought to myself, anyone who probably has who's helped me more than five hundred dollars, I'm going to do this for. Right. And if you you get a referral for like a twelve thousand dollar website, a two thousand dollar website, you can afford to throw 80 bucks at something like that or or even just like a twenty dollar Starbucks gift card is just shows that that relationship. I think gifts, especially like we talk about love languages, especially if that person's love language is gifts, that really goes a long way. It goes a long way. And it's think of it as like a marketing expense. I mean, it's a marketing expense. It's you're you're putting it out there, you're buying that so that when they think of somebody, they think of you. And that's it. It's a business expense. It's a cost of doing business. It's not necessarily, oh, I have to spend all this money to buy things. No, you're paying it forward so that those people are going to come back to you when they need anything. Do you have anything else here? Because I think we really nailed it on a lot of this stuff. No, no, that's that's really all I know about uh, getting clients. And it, it just comes down to being good, letting people know what you do and having good relationships. Yeah, that's really it. Relationships, 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 because once you have that work done, <laughs> once you have those referrals done, uh, you're, you're just going to every if you have this big network, everyone's going to think of you. You're going to get that work. Cool. So now is the part of the show where we do sick picks and a sick pick is just a, a pick where we pick something, we talk about it, of that we're really liking feeling in life. So Wes, do you have any sick picks today? Yes, I'm going to sick pick my mattress, which was uh, pretty fun. So when my wife got pregnant, whenever that happened, I don't know, six months ago, uh, we thought like, okay, let's get a king. Let's get a king mattress because we had a queen and uh, we love each other, but we like our space. So... (laughs) I had asked on Twitter, like, like, what's the deal with these like mattress in a box companies that yeah. come out there? And uh, there's a Casper and Lisa and and all these ones. And um, a couple of them uh, reached out to me and said, like, hey, we can give you one for review in exchange for like an honest review. So I said, OK, to the Canadian one. So unfortunately for most of you, this you won't be able to buy this. <laughs> but uh, the Canadian one that I got uh, was called an ND mattress. 
And uh, people had said like, oh, I don't know about these, like they're probably too soft or they hold the heat. And, and people think it's like like memory foam where it just like you kind of sink into it. So we've had it for what, maybe four or five months now. And we absolutely love it. It's like the perfect firmness for us, which is weird because I think they only sell one firmness <laughs> and people like have opinions all over the space. Um, yeah. But for us, it was the the perfect firmness where you can still sit on the edge of it and not like fall off. Like it's not this big hunk of foam that you're going to sink into. Uh, and other people said that they get really hot where like you, you sleep on it and the thing just collects all of your body heat. And we haven't found that to, to be an issue either. We've been absolutely loving it. We actually bought another one just with our own money <laughs> uh, for uh, a cottage that we just bought. So um, we're, we're big fans of it. So if you are in the uh, the market for a new mattress and you're Canadian, um, I would definitely give my thumbs up to this ND mattress. Nice. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have you do you tried one of these mattress in a boxes things before? We have a Casper in our guest room, yeah. but we don't sleep on it because it's in our guest room. But we've heard good things. Yeah. yeah. We, we had like a really nice mattress already. So it's like, oh, we, yeah, it's like we weren't going to swap out the Casper for our really nice mattress. But we've heard good things. So we, it, it was a really cool process where it came in the box and you open it up and it unfolds. Yeah, the, I, I thought it was pretty it's sweet. It's pretty cool. We we had a Simmons beauty rest. We also got the the ND pillows. Uh, which is just like chopped up hunks of the mattress. Maybe that's what they do with the ones <laughs> that get returned. I don't think that's actually what they do. But and then they give you a bag where you can just take out hunks if it's too firm. But I didn't like it. I didn't like the pillow. Um, I felt like it was like, I don't know, too squishy. We have like these like really we pretty much have like the mattress, but in pillow form. Yeah, um, I like that. I forget who, who makes it's like, it. But it's like, like they're the best firm memory ever. foam pillow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's loving, loving those pillows. So we don't didn't like the thing, but the mattresses were, were great. Or sorry, the mattress was great. Yeah, super great. Cool. Uh, my sick pick is actually going to be functionality from an app that maybe some of you already have. So this is a, this is a weird sick pick because it's just a piece of functionality that you might not know about because I didn't know about this until I found out about this. Within Google Drive in the app, the plus button, the action button on your phone there is a, a an action to scan a document. Now, we've been having to scan a bunch of documents come tax time without all of our tax information, and people send us like a 46-page thing that we have to fax to them or scan to them. And we're all just oh, like, oh. I've been faxing it, so much stuff lately. It it's like, it, you can't put an editable input on this PDF? Come on. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> Look, what year is this? So either way, I was like, how do your clients do this? He's like, most of them just scan it. I don't have a scanner that I, yeah, but I'm living in 2019 here. I don't have a scanner. So I found that Google Drive has a scan documents functionality where you just take a picture of it and it scans it so nicely. It's incredible. And you can make multi-page PDFs just by clicking the plus button. So you scan plus scan plus. And if you don't have a scanner in the first place, it was fast. It was way faster than uh, getting in my car and driving to Kinko's or something like that and trying to get all these pages scanned. I've been using this a ton. So if you need to scan documents and you don't want to buy a scanner, Google Drive has a scan functionality that is going to do wonderful things for you. And the high quality even converts text to text where it can. So it's pretty sweet. Awesome. I need to check that out. I've been scanning stuff like crazy lately. Like we were down in the 
down in the States and we had to go to the hospital. I told that story a while ago yeah, uh-huh. and we're still trying to get our, our insurance to cover it. Like we took a, an ambulance one block and it was $700. Whoa. And uh, I'm just like not used to getting bills. I've never had a bill for anything in my life. And we're just getting all these bills and people calling and we had travel insurance, but the travel insurance needs all these documents and they need to be scanned. And like, what an archaic system, this whole thing that is, and it's all built upon scans and faxes. And it just drives me crazy. I can't believe that. Yeah, for real. Cool. So do you have any (laughs) shameless plugs? I'm going to shamelessly plug all of my courses, westboss.com forward slash courses. There's free, there's paid. Check it out. If there's anything that interests you. Sick. Uh, I'm going to shamelessly plug my hooks course, which is just released. Uh, React Hooks for Everyone is 20 some videos that will teach you hooks in no time. Not only are you going to learn about how to use hooks, but you're going to learn how to write custom hooks. You're going to learn about third party hooks. You're going to be writing some really amazing reusable functionality. It is super duper 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 cool. So check it out at leveluptutorials.com forward slash pro. And I hinted at the course that's going to be released in this month and the end of the month here on the 31st or the, I think it'll probably be out on the 29th, to be honest. I like to release it on a weekday is going to be on Vue.js. It's going to be about building static sites with Vue.js using Gridsum. So that course is already well on the way to being completed here. I'm so excited because it's basically, you could think of it as the Gatsby for Vue.js. So if you're interested in learning that or anything else, leveluptutorials.com forward slash pro. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any tips you'd like to tweet us, we're at Syntax FM. I'm at West Boss and Scott is at S Tolinsky. Beautiful. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace. Head on over to Syntax.fm for a full archive of all of our shows. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player or drop a review if you like this show.